And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Slow Your Roll. I am Dominic Lawrence, on alongside writer for the Yaki Way Report, Jesse Caulfield, a regular back in Brian Salem for the show today. And, you know, sometimes the universe, it just works out for you. We usually, we do this on Mondays or Tuesdays, pushed it all the way back to Wednesday. Aaron Rodgers' story drops, Wilson gets traded like 15 minutes later. Ten minutes before we start this show, the Wentz gets tra- Wentz gets traded. So I don't know. It's it's just one of those days. It seems like you know the universe just just really I, they gave us a W. It's been a like three straight days of yeah. big story after big story. Exactly. And like I said, we usually do this on a Monday or Tuesday. So imagine we did this show on a Monday and all this happens twenty four hours later, forty eight hours. That, that that would suck. Yes. That would really <laughs> really suck. So obviously Wilson trade Rogers. Bruins talk, MLB, Scherzer said some dumb things. At least in my opinion, he has another dumb idea again. Some new rule changes in MLB. I'll tell you why the universal DH is so stupid, especially for what MLB is trying to accomplish. Wentz getting moved, some stuff about the NFL combine and fair and foul, all on the slate today. Bring back the Tommy report a little bit too. And definitely one of the better Darwins of all time. (laughs) Maybe top three. We're excited about this. At least top five. But maybe top three. All right. With that, though, I am going to turn it over to Yaki Way report writer Jesse Caulfield to get us started. Take it away, Jesse. Thank you, Dom. That was lovely. Well, I mean, I don't remember how long ago it was. Probably over a month at this point. Maybe two. Mm-hmm. Talked about... Uh, we don't talk a lot of basketball here. No. Because, well, to be honest, we're not the biggest fans. Uh, you see, I like but, the sport. I don't like the NBA. Sh- okay, sure. The league. The yeah. league is the, one of the biggest problems we have with the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um but, like, I talked about, I mean, my favorite NBA player right now, mm. my man Enos Freedom. Mm. And I wanted to, you know, bring, it, bring him up again. Not that there's any new breaking news or really anything. I just wanted to, you know, just bring up a couple things, harking on some stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm always down to talk about my man Freedom. Uh, but the reason I want to bring this up, you know, the trade deadline for the NBA has passed. Mm-hmm. Celtics made actually kind of a whirlwind of moves, mm. um, including getting rid of Mr. Freedom, my favorite player right now. And to be honest, like, you might think, well, what does this matter? He didn't play much. He didn't do much for the team. He was more just a bench guy, a veteran presence. What, did, what does it matter? It matters to me. Okay. And it matters in the grand scheme of things because although, like, if you look at the Celtics right now, Celtics are on a roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, since the, since the trades, they've won seven of their last eight. Mm-hmm. So the Celtics team is clearly clicking right now. And I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that is the coach. Uh, Udoka is finding his groove and stuff like that. But why do I keep bringing up uh, Mr. Freedom? Well, before this little stretch, uh, they won 9 of 10 before those trades with all these players. So it's clearly just the team clicking. It's not these trades that happened, although a couple of them were good. But um, so I, I'm big on conspiracies. They're so much fun. Okay. And Mr. Freedom got maybe blackballed from the league here. A little got, got Colin, the Colin Kaepernick treatment. Mm. Spoke out against, I mean, China mostly, Turkey and stuff like that. And he was, for the most part, unacknowledged. And he even came out and said later, um, I saw one of his tweets I was looking at this morning, about how, like, this recently, there's a war going on. I don't know if anybody knows. But, like, the NBA is, like, they're putting, they got little bands or badges, whatever they're on, on their uniforms and stuff like that. And he called them out. He's like, why can I not say anything about genocide and atrocities going on across the world? But the second a, a country that doesn't give us a bunch of money invades another one, we suddenly care. Mm. Because 
He's right. Why suddenly do we care about Ukraine? But so much has been going on in Turkey, China. But we can't we can't speak out about that because well, they they'll give us some money. They give us players, uh, and they want they want to watch. So we, we gotta. And so a little bit about freedom and why I think this conspiracy holds weight, because you know. I say he's a little older. He's not the best uh, in terms of scoring. Uh, I, I at least look at him maybe more of a defensive guy. Uh, maybe a, a more in tune person with the NBA can say otherwise, but whatever. The point is, like, so when he was with the Celtics, this is actually his second stint with the Celtics. He was with the team actually in 2019. And, you know, when I'm looking at his career stats, um, I mean, nothing really jumps out. He averaged 11 points a game, eight rebounds, and one assist throughout his career. Nothing real nice about that, but a, but a decent that's a decent good player for your NBA team. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his time with the Celtics, he has averaged 3.7 points a game, mm-hmm. 4.6 rebounds, and 0.2 assists a game. Now he's his, That's off the bench. Yes. Yeah. Uh, cuz actually he would average 12 minutes a game this season mm-hmm. when he was with the Celtics. That is other than the one other time he was with the Celtics where he averaged 17 minutes a game, he always averaged 20 minutes a game since he was actually in his second season where he averaged 15 minutes a game with the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. So this is clearly a, a pretty good player. And he's, he's shown even last year that he can ball. He was averaging 20 minutes a game. Um, it was 15 points a game. So this guy, this, guy can, this guy can play. And when he even came off the bench, like, I mean, it would mostly be garbage time or against the crappy teams. But, I mean... He would still perform. These are bad numbers. 3.7 points a game, 4.6 rebounds, 0.2 assists. But it's because he was just getting benched. Mm-hmm. And whether it's they think they can just win with other players. And, you know, for them, down the stretch, they were, even with uh, Mr. Freedom. Um, but I don't know. Like, it was so, I don't, I don't know how to put this. It was out of the blue. Kind, I mean, kind of. Like, you know, there was there was a lot of rumors about almost every Celtics player. Did he get released but, from the team he got traded to? Yes. That's he, what I thought. He was sent to the worst team in the NBA, the Rockets, mm-hmm. and then immediately released. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the Rockets could use a guy like that. Mm. They're awful. Yes. They're terrible. Yes. So that's why I just, I just want to keep bringing this up. And there's a couple other things that he's harked about. Because recently since he's been blackballed from the league he's just been going on he's talked to the dalai lama he's talked to congress really yeah oh yeah and just stuff like that just going around talking about freedom talking about enos freedom's talking about freedom yeah <laughs> uh but he actually he released a list that i found interesting because uh you know he was hugely critical of china he released a list of now i'm not gonna read the whole list but it's a bunch of players in the nba who have are sponsored by chinese companies so oh. i'm gonna read some of those for you well th- wait wait this is why he doesn't have a job now uh, now he's going after well, this, names. No, now he's this, going after names no, no, in the no, no. NBA. This this was after he was blackballed. He he put out this oh, okay. list. This was coming out after the fact. So here's can, a couple. Can I can I just throw something in here real quick? Sure. I would be willing, almost willing to bet my house, okay, that seventy five percent of the names on this list that you're about to rattle off are top fifteen or top ten players in the league. Uh, there's 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 a couple of them on here. I'm, I mean, I'm only going to mention the big names because like there's a couple names that like I dare not even pronounce, and a couple just eh, they're not really that important. Mm-hmm. But like you got you got Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's on this list, sponsored by Lee Ning. Uh, Aaron Gordon, remember him? Mm-hmm. Sponsored by 361 Degrees. Uh, Gordon Hayward, sponsored by Anta. 
Kevin Looney, also by Anta. Terrence Mann, Anta. CJ McCullen, Lee Ning. D'Angelo Russell, Lee Ning. Clay Thompson, Anta. Uh, Dwayne Wade, who is retired, but still sponsored by Lee Ning. Andrew Wiggins, Peak. Uh, and those are, I mean, Alex Caruso, Anta. Uh, those, are, those are the big names. Mm-hmm. Now, LeBron James is not on this list. So people like that um, are not on this list. LeBron still makes money from China. Oh, I bet he does. I was just oh, going to say You know he does, by the way. I Selling his merchandise and all that kind of stuff. Over I there. bet he do. <laughs> but these are like the direct... Mm-hmm. It might not even make, might not be everybody. I don't know. These are just specific companies. Uh, Li Ning, Anta, 361 Degrees, Peak. These are the ones listed here. I'm sure there's many other companies and many other players. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's there's a conspiracy against this man. And I won't have it. I won't stand for it. I will call it out at any point I can. I want to prop this man up because... Even if he doesn't play basketball again, I like what he preaches. Mm. So I don't want a man like this silenced. I don't want a man like this blackballed. So I'm always going to talk about my man freedom. All right. I would say this. Here's, here's the one thing that I think your conspiracy holds weight. Because he doesn't get that much attention, it's not like you're bringing in a guy who's that much of a distraction. Yeah. Because he okay. doesn't actually get much of attention with what he does. And, so oh, and I, I've never heard a bad thing about... Enos Cantor Freedom, the man. No, probably not. I've never heard of him being a problem in any locker room anywhere. Even the fact that he wasn't getting a lot of playing time with the Celtics, never heard him complain about that. I don't know, Brian, do you have any thoughts on this before? I'm mostly just going to let this suspend in midair, you know, and let everyone think about it and realize it. Yes, I probably do the same thing, but I think everything that you said, Jesse, is right on point. Mm. Thank you. I mean, when you break it down that way, it absolutely seems like he's being blackballed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's he's been the most critical player in the NBA. He wears shoes every game for something, mm-hmm. whatever cause he wants to um, prop up that night. And for the most part, it's been China recently. Mm-hmm. And it, he came out and said, the Celtics told me they were going to suspend me and ask me to please stop. And he refused. And I respect the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you got traded away then, probably. Yeah, and I <laughs> listen, I'll never prove it was the league. I'll never prove it was the Celtics. Could be both. Could have been neither. But, like, this is... They want him out. This is suspicious. Free freedom. <laughs> and you know what he says? Free my man. He also freedom. says freedom ain't free, and it ain't. True. True, true. Redundancy is redundant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, we will move on to rapid fire news. Quite a bit happened. We'll go over it fast, but... Uh, no, in, in, in the world of Boston sports, Celtics 3-0 since we did this show. Wins over the Hawks, Grizzlies, and Nets. As you mentioned, they're playing really good basketball. The Bruins, 2-2 two two since this show. Losses against the Ducks and the Kings. Uh, wins against the Knights and the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets coming on a shootout with a absolutely great little shoulder fake by Pasternak there for that, uh, mm. for that shootout shot. That was dirty. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, some, nice, was some hands there. Yes. That was pretty dirty. I watched that at work. Uh, also. Should be doing your job. <laughs> no one does their job there. <laughs> <laughs> Rogers got his contract extension after all of the complaining, all of the media attention and fawning and trying to drag this out as long as possible, decided to just go back with his same, you know, significant other mistress relationship, whatever you want to call it seems like one of those who just cries and cries to high heaven and then doesn't change anything and goes back. But familiarity, uh, I divulge. Rogers, four years, $200 million, 153 uh, guaranteed. I know 
Aaron Allegedly. and Pat McAfee are both, oh, the figures aren't right. The figures are off. I don't believe anything that comes out of Aaron's mouth. So that's fine. We'll, I we'll see. Pat. We'll see. Also, Calvin Ridley was suspended an entire NFL season for betting on NFL games. Oh, no. Which, you know, I get why they're doing it. They're trying to make an example out of him. But, you know, you also can apparently hit women in the NFL and not get suspended for an entire season. But again, it's not my decision. I'll move on. <laughs> Smoke a little bit of weed like Josh Gordon gets suspended for six years, basically. Well, he, he was doing was a- he was doing coke in between, though, and then <laughs> there was some other stuff with Gordon. <laughs> and then Russell Wilson, the biggest news, probably traded to Denver for two first round picks, two second round picks. Uh, and a fifth-round pick, Noah Fant and Shelby Harris as well. Fourth-round pick going uh, along with Wilson as well. And finally, 10 minutes before the show, Carson Wentz was traded to the Washington Commanders. We are not sure about the entire package yet. It hasn't all come out. It said it's a cluster of picks. Um, I think, what did you say? Like two-thirds and a... So it's a second and a third this year. Okay. A th- Third next year okay. goes to Indy. Okay. And I think maybe one more. Yeah. And but, it would but, but it, but one know. like a conditional at all? Yeah. Not that I saw. Okay. But the, the um so the second in this year's draft is basically almost a mm-hmm. identical swap. I think Indy moves up from forty seven to forty two. Yeah, okay. So whatever. That's that's you know, that's that's whatever. At that point. All right. And also, this just happened today as well. Dak Prescott and Zach Martin both restructured their contracts recently with the Cowboys, freeing up an additional $22 million in cap space for the Cowboys. That could be big down the stretch because we felt they were going to lose a lot of players. That helps a lot. Maybe Amari doesn't get, you know, let go anymore. We'll see. We'll see what happens and what they decide to do with that $22 million. But from that, we are going to go to what has been the biggest news of the week, Russell Wilson has finally been traded to the Denver Broncos. And there's a lot of things to go with this. So, I said before, weeks ago, this was the couple that was still together for the dog. And they needed to break up and move on. Why Pete Carroll is still here, though, I will never know. Now, we can debate maybe... It had gotten to a point that Russell was going to leave even if Carroll was still here. I don't know. I know that Wilson didn't say he had still wanted to get traded until 24 hours after it got announced that Pete Carroll got extended again. Because if you remember, at the end of the year, there were thoughts that maybe Pete Carroll could be out. But he's not. I don't know why. It seems to me that the game has clearly passed the man by. Uh, they've been in the bottom rank in defense over the last four years. They were fifth worst in football this year in yards allowed. He's a defensive coach. He's well over 70 years old. I mean, not everyone who's old can't do things and and coach, but he's one of those that seems to have never evolved, never moved up at the time. Say what you want about Vic Fangio, but Vic Fangio's defenses, at least, were always elite. Carroll's side of the ball ain't even getting it done anymore. Uh, To me, he seems like the grandpa who's in the rocking chair (laughs) saying Kwanzaa racist things, uh, and you just roll your eyes at him. And it's time to move on. That being said, here's the other thing with Seattle. I hate this trade for Seattle. I don't think they got enough at all. 
Shelby Harris is about the only part of this trade that I like for them. Why they needed Noah Fant, I don't know. They have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Gerald Everett is a competent NFL tight end. They didn't really need Noah Fant. They have not drafted well at all for years, and Pete Carroll is still there, and Pete Carroll still has a ton of power in the draft. So you need more draft picks of that. I would think for sure that they were going to get three first-round picks. Now, maybe you don't get two seconds also, but three first-round picks, maybe a second, and another fourth or something like that. And if you want another player, get something at a position of need, not Noah Fant, a tight end that I just don't think that they really need. To me, this is a huge, huge steal for the Denver Broncos, in my opinion. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be in a tough division and all that, but I think it's an absolute win for Denver. Denver's roster is so good that they don't need the picks that much because how many players were you really going to pick who was going to make this roster? But in the end, Pete Carroll probably had his hands on this trade too, and I think Seattle botched it, in my opinion. I think they could have gotten more more picks or maybe at least a better, not a better player, but a player at a position of more need. So there's more to talk about with this, what this means for Denver, what this means for Seattle. I'm going to turn it over to you guys on your initial thoughts after the trade. Jesse, get us started. Okay. I mean, I, I can't say anything bad really about what the Broncos did here. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're set. I almost consider you in, in, in a real contender now. Mm-hmm. The, my biggest problem with really calling them that is they're in maybe the toughest division in football right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, it's clear they needed to rebuild in some form, whether that's going to be keeping Wilson and rebuilding around him and maybe keeping Metcalf and Lockett and a little couple pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. But, like... We talked about uh, that this was probably a situation of one or the other. Mm. When you picked you picked Carroll, say what you want, whether that was the right choice, Wilson kind of just had to go. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, they should have got more. I, I think this is a situation of the NFL market is attempting to correct itself, and people don't want to be throwing around three first-round picks. Because although I think this Denver team is probably set for quite a while now, their offense is pretty young with people like Corton Sutton, uh, Jerry Judy. Um, I mean, Melvin Gordon's not even that old. Mm-hmm. Um, and the defense is... And the other running back who probably will take most of Gordon's carries, Javante Williams. Oh, you think he will this year? Yeah, I think he will. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the defense is good. Um, I mean, a little older on that side of the ball, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Still should be good for a couple years. So, I'm... I mean... Denver, I think, just stole the day. Like, everything about... The only thing is, like, I mean, I guess you could have kept Noah Font because I don't know who your tight end is right now, but you can find one, I'm sure. My thing with your thing on the weapons, though, Russell Wilson makes everything work, offensively, at least, for the most part. I mean, sure. Tyler Lockett wasn't a highly recruited or highly drafted player, but he made it work. DK Metcalf was looked at as a physical freak, but limited as far as a route runner and what he would be as far as getting separation... Wilson made it work. Wilson made it work with a blocking tight end three years ago, Will Disley, as one of his main throw-to targets. So, I mean, I don't care about if it's Young or whatever in Denver. He'll make the weapons work. To your point, though, Dom, about guys like Lockett and Metcalf, like if, like even if you have guys coming out of college that are like really athletically gifted, mm-hmm. but don't necessarily have, like haven't put 
all the tools together yet. Like I think the you can still you, like you can still work on that stuff. You know, that's mm-hmm. like you can coach that up. You can teach that. You can like you can make that a proficient discipline. Yeah, and the other thing is, is Wilson will make plays last longer, which means any of those guys that, as you say, maybe are not as polished on that route running and stuff, that plays into their athleticism, though, when it becomes backyard football. Right. I mean, like, I, I agree with those things. Sorry to cut you off there, Brian, but, like, I, I'm i just making the point of, like, this offense mm-hmm. is going to be very good and very scary mm-hmm. for seemingly a while. Mm. And although you say Seattle probably could have got more, that's why I say Denver just won the day. Like, you can get rid of... You probably could have gone for that third first-round pick because, yeah, you probably won't need it for a while. I just want to praise, like, Denver, Denver for just, like, wow, you you won this entirely. Oh, yeah. No, I think they did. I think they did. Uh, Brian, uh, from the aspect of Denver, Russell Wilson, you know, moving forward, and your initial thoughts, too, when it happened, what do you have? So the very first thing I thought was, like, this is the best move Denver's made since taking Elway out of that <laughs> personnel. Yeah. 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 Uh, position but like to both of your guys points i don't care how much denver had to give up to get him seattle got fleeced thank you well seattle got absolutely fleeced i thought so and i'm gonna tell you why like i had this conversation with one of my coworkers. well right like I i had this exact same conversation with one of my coworkers today during lunch and i said to him i says you know what do you think of the russell wilson trade oh my goodness i can't believe they gave up what they gave up they uh you know, see, uh, you know, Denver. whatever. What, what, Denver gave up too much. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you shouldn't have to give up Drew Locke. You shouldn't have to give up. No, like, why? Yeah, why? You just got an elite quarterback. You can, you can. There's no giving up too much to get those guys. Yeah. He's a gamer. You can never, ever, ever count Russell Wilson out. He's one of those guys that as soon as you bring him into your organization, no matter how bad the almost. No matter how bad the team around him is, mm-hmm. you're probably guaranteed at least four, five more wins mm-hmm. just off of his uh, intelligence and his intangibles mm-hmm. as a quarterback and as a guy like you just said who can extend plays and 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 sort of make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess. Yeah, and, and I guess if you want to say two firsts, two seconds, a third, Noah Fant and Drew Locke, but. Like it's not like you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, put points on the board. Yeah. With uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Williams, um, the running back, yeah. Melvin Gordon. Right. When you have a guy like Russell Wilson at the helm now, and Denver, yeah. and Denver for the past two years has been a top three defense. Exactly. Denver, Denver is third last year in total uh, yards allowed and third in total points allowed in the NFL. So it's an elite defense he goes into. Here's the other reason why in Denver's position, there's nothing. There's not. There's almost no such thing as too much. These other teams, Washington Commanders, Indy, Pittsburgh, they can try and and go and get Jimmy G, or you know Carson Wentz in Washington's thing. Denver can't do that. You have Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbert in your division. You need an elite, elite quarterback. It was Aaron Rodgers or it was Russell Wilson. That's it. That was the only. Thing that was going to make enough of a difference that it was going to be worth it. Because if they go out and they get Jimmy G, they're finishing fourth. Even how great that roster is. They're finishing fourth. Maybe, maybe, maybe if they're lucky, they finish the head of the Raiders by a game. 
But no, there, there was no other route Denver could go than an elite level quarterback. To me, they won too because I take Wilson over Rodgers any day also. He's younger and he's way less bad case. Sure. So that's the other thing. Here's the other thing though that this this move signals to me. Because, you know, we're being all nice. It's a parade in Denver right now, all that kind of stuff. But there is no doubt that this Denver roster, this Denver roster is an elite NFL roster. So now, to me, all the pressure is on Nathaniel Hackett, first-year head coach. Can he coach? Because there's no excuse why this team shouldn't have a really good record at the end of the regular season and in the playoffs. Now, if it struggles out the gate for the first three or four weeks, sometimes all these new pieces and a new quarterback and a new offense, I could understand that. And if you finish second place behind KC and Mahomes, I understand that as well. But there's no excuse for this not, team to not be a playoff team and to be one of the leading teams in the AFC in the Super Bowl hunt, in my opinion. All the pressure now is on Nathaniel Hackett because we don't know if he can coach. We don't know. He had a nice year with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, with Matt LaFleur, an already offensive-minded coach. He wasn't all that great in Jacksonville, but I understand that, you know, he died to have Blake Bortles, so maybe he gets a pass. But pressure's on Nathaniel Hackett now. We're going to know real quick, in my opinion, if he's going to cut it or not. Hmm. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I'll agree with that. I feel like, I mean, would there be a lot of pressure on him right now? Sure, but it's almost like... This offense is almost too stacked to fail, it feels. <laughs> it kind of is because, I mean, we talked about it the uh, past couple weeks, just you know, just talking about stuff like that, like how what how much Russell Wilson can add to an offense. Mm-hmm. And we make the jokes that, like, there is no better quarterback than Russell Wilson week one through five. After that, he's kind of average. But, like, you know, if you're playing with an average team. I don't even think that I, team was average over the past I, three years. Let's give him benefit of the doubt and say the offense he was playing with was average. But the, I think At the some, scheme was terrible, though. Well, here's the thing: like outdated. He can outplay. He can he can play out of his mind for five weeks, but like teams are going to adjust. Yes. And there's only so much you can do at that point. Mm-hmm. So like, why do we why do we make the joke of like week one through five? Russell Wilson's the best is because like after that his hands are cuffed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I agree I, with that 100. percent So I you sure I'm curious to see how this will go, but like I almost like I said I almost feel like it can't fail. Mm. So I got to pose the question here now, right? Like if. If Denver comes out of the gate this year and looks not even great, but just good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, much, much better than they've been, at least on the offensive side of the ball the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how much credit do we give the coach? That's true. But if they suck, <laughs> how much of that are we going to put on Wilson? I mean, probably they'll they'll they'll. The media doesn't love Wilson or fawn over Wilson the way they do some other guys, so I think they'll blame Russell quite a bit. And it, it always depends on what it looks like. If Russell is clearly missing guys and throwing picks and looking terrible, then yes. But if it just looks like the scheme is just stagnant, then I'm sure Hackett will get plenty of the blame. Okay, I agree with that. Where do you guys see Denver as far as their role within the AFC West? Do you think they're the favorite now? No. 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 Okay. Because, I mean, as much as like... I think the only reason they might not be the favorite is just because I don't know if Hackett can coach. Because uh, sure to me, sure I, think, something. I think they're the better roster than Casey. But I think they have more weapons than Casey. I think Casey has two elite offensive weapons. I think it falls off after that. I think Denver has a plethora of weapons. I think they have more weapons, but 
I don't know. I'd, I'd rather have a Tyree Kill than any wide receiver on Denver. I kind of yeah, rather have a Patrick Mahomes. Than, and like I said, would I rather have a plethora of guys than basically three guys to run the whole offense? Yeah, but sure. We, but we but, saw Case, we saw some good defense be able to manage and, and hold KC down. Yeah. The line is still whatever, and their the defenses aren't even close. Denver's defense is way better than Kansas City's. I'm very curious to see what Patrick Mahomes does this offseason. To, to, will he really make that adjustment that he probably really should now and he has to make at this point? Mm. So I want, I'll still consider Casey the favorite. I know they're going to be there, mm. but I'll, I'll, I'll put Denver right behind them right now okay. because I also, I mean, Raiders are still the Raiders. Mm. I will see how Josh McDaniels does the second time around, mm-hmm. but. I'm not huge on that offense and Derek Carr. You know I'm being very critical of Derek Carr. Well, I mean, to me, now they're, they're a fourth-place team. Oh, I absolutely feel that. Yeah, and I, then I, the Chargers, although they're on the up-and-up, I, I still have I a hate, lot of questions. I, I hate Brandon Staley. But to, also even the— To they, me, Staley had to go, but well, they didn't even do it. The roster still has a lot of questions, and they nothing's I don't think it does. Yet. I really don't think their roster has a ton of questions. I, think, I thought uh, they largely fixed They have the, well, weapons, but the defense is still— Eh, and the offensive line is not good. And I think I think the defense. You're right, especially against the run. It's bad. But come on, that's think, the only thing they really have to focus on on the draft. Do you think the Chargers aren't a third place team? I think they are because I don't think Staley's a good coach. So I think they are a third place team. I don't think they should be a third place team. But I think I mean I think they if, are. If they were in a crappier team. division. Yes, they're going to be a, a better team. Yeah. But. I, I still think right now that the Chargers have a lot of questions for me. They do. I get that. I get that. Most of my question is centers mostly around Brandon Staley, though, the coach. Sure, that's but, a good question. Yeah, but no, I, I do. I think they are a third-place team. I really do. I just think that if they had a better coach, they wouldn't be. But true, Denver's roster is better than the Chargers now. Their defense is certainly much better than theirs. So, But I can make the argument the Charger KC roster, to me, is, is actually pretty even. It's just one has Andy Reid and the other has Brandon Staley, at least in my opinion. But anyway, so the other part of this deal, we talked about Pete Carroll. I, I do want to pose this question to you guys. Do you think Wilson was gone even if they got rid of Carroll, or do you think Seattle picked Pete Carroll over Russell Wilson? Brian? That's... See, I, I could go either way on that, but I think there's actually a greater chance that Wilson stays in Seattle mm-hmm. if Carroll's gone. Because I think that, you know, like you said earlier, maybe the game has passed him by a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, being that Carroll is mostly sort of a defensive-minded coach and Wilson the last couple of years has been a little bit outspoken about, uh, you know, personnel decisions uh, as far as the offensive side of the ball goes, scheming, protection, all that. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there is some truth to that maybe that if uh, they let, what's his name there, Beaker, go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that Wilson stays. Yeah. All right, Jesse, what do you think? I, I'm, I'm probably going to have to agree with Brian here. I mean, as far as I know, most of his problems were... Uh, not the, the team itself seemed to be coaching, personnel, stuff like that. It was not with the, the city of Seattle. It's not with the fans. It's not with uh, it's seemingly the owner. I, I mean, maybe there is, and it's just uh, what didn't really talk about it. But it was mostly seemed to be a problem. As much as he wouldn't come out and say it, his problem seemed to be the coaching. Mm-hmm. So 
I would bet that yes, if they said Pete Carroll's being fired, Russell Wilson would at the very least be much more open to staying. Okay. Would his wife feel that way? I don't know. Um, I don't. I'll, I'll actually play devil's advocate. I'll be nice. I actually think Wilson's gone either way this year. I think if they had gotten Pete Carroll at the end of the year before, I think Russell's phase. But I think this year, I think no matter what, he would have wanted out because this roster, you can get rid of Carroll now and they should have, but this roster is so bad now and they have no picks. I mean, now they do, but before that they didn't. They didn't have first round pick this year. They didn't have a first round pick last year either, I don't think. Or is it the year coming up? Then I'm sorry. It might have been the next year they didn't have another first-round pick. But they've traded multiple first-round picks over the last couple of years for Pete Carroll to desperately try and fix this defense. So they had no picks. The defense was just getting worse and worse and older. The O-line has still been nah. And Russell Wilson was the only thing holding it all together. So I do think this year, even if they got rid of Carroll, I think Wilson would have tried to leave. So okay. I will give Seattle that. But to me, they missed the boat because they should have got rid of Pete, and moved on the year afterwards. Uh, now, here's the thing. What does Seattle do from here, in my opinion? Um, I think with Seattle, now I probably Pete, I keep Pete Carroll, but I tell Carroll, you'll have nothing to do with the draft. Get out of the war room, because <laughs> they've drafted terribly, and Pete has a lot of power within that organization. And I'm largely keeping Pete Carroll on to fire him next year. Because you know this team's going to go into the tank. Into the toilet. This is not a good quarterback draft this year. I would look at this point of seeing if I could trade DK Metcalf or, or Lockett just to get more picks. I'd totally start tearing this thing down to the bones. Take a couple of, take a lot of guys this year. And I mean, I would I would tank for Tua type thing. I'd, I'd really try and tank as much as possible next year the year after this is going to be a very good quarterback class headed by Bryce Young out of Alabama all right so I'll play devil's advocate with you now and I'll be nice yeah so if you if if like you said you would keep Carroll this year right to fire him to fire him yes even telling him you will have less than zero involvement with the draft Mm mm-hmm He's still going to be there for that one last year. Do you really want him trying to develop these kids that they bring in? That's a fair point. I do get that. And maybe you have enough picks this year that you... you, I get your point. Maybe you're a little worried that you don't want Carroll there to develop these guys. I think... I worry Pete and his age when it comes to developing a quarterback more than individual positions. As long as you... Unless you think the staff is completely incompetent too. I don't think it's too much of an issue for one year. I mostly just need to make sure I get him out of the war room. And I don't want to bring in a new coach that I like when I know that he's going to fail miserably for the next two years and the fan base is going to be mad and calling for his head. I'd rather give him at least another, an extra little bit of wiggle room, have that one really terrible year with a guy I know I'm trying to get rid of anyway. Jesse, what are your thoughts on what do you think I, what I think Seattle should do? Um, I mean, we talked about how Pete Carroll is should have been gone a while ago but if this is your plan and i if, if seattle has a plan mm-hmm. then i guess stick with your plan because if you're gonna if, if you pick the coach over your quarterback well this is your bed you should sleep in it mm-hmm. um and you know, i i don't i don't see them maybe they should keep them for one year tank it fire them 
but I don't see Seattle doing that at all. I, I, I don't. Think I think they, I don't think they'll do it. I'm saying I think, I think they should. I think them picking Pete Carroll shows that the owner is like, this is my guy mm-hmm. for a long time. <sighs> I that's the that vibe is, I'm getting. That is not a recipe for success, in my do, opinion. Do, like, also here, real quick, do you? I mean, do you need need to keep Pete Carroll to tank? Well, I I just as <laughs> I, I mean, look I, at the it helps. This, this I mean, it does, but. Well, I just said because I don't want to. I don't want to bring in a new coach that I like when I know that he's going to be terrible for two straight years, and I'm going to have to start hearing it from the fan base. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I want to give him a little bit more runway, and the way I can do that is the year that I know is basically the throw in the towel year. I'm going to keep a lame duck on. Now, yeah, you know, I'm not telling Pete Carroll. <laughs> that's not how this is going to work. I'd be like, Pete, you're our guy. We trust you for the rebuild. I hope he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> he well, doesn't. I mean, but everyone over there knows it's going to be a rebuild season. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're Pete Carroll, are you not feeling to yourself? Maybe this is this grand scheme. Oh, we're going to fire him after this year. But I if you're Pete Carroll, how do you not sit there and think, like, well, I have nothing to lose this year. Mm. Everyone knows we're going to suck. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, oh, Seattle, you're in for a whirlwind of trouble the next few years. Oh, it's going to be rough. It's it's going to be real rough, and you're going to notice real quick that Russell Wilson was the one holding that ship together, because Drew Locke is going to be a disaster in that division. Actually, did you put it in Rapid Fire News that they released Bobby Wagner this morning? No, I forgot to put that in. There's just so much that happened. Yeah, yeah, yes. And and he was saying that uh, Judon's yeah, trying to recruit him to the Pats. No, I, I did see that. The well, thing, you, a big linebacker, Bill automatically is like, "Ooh, I want to look at him." Big, I, I big, mean, tough linebackers. He loves those. I mean, as long as. You said that I think he'd be like a, a package kind of guy. Like there'd be particular packages for him, and he'd have a really specific role. He's not going to be on the field for a ton of snaps. He has a very specific role. He's going to be that Chris Long, yes. Chase Winovich guy. Yeah, say. exactly. That kind of thing. All right. So from Russell Wilson now, Aaron Rodgers, as I mentioned, gets his contract extension after all the whining. Just stayed in Green Bay anyway. So our thoughts on this to me... I don't love it that you have to pay him all this money, $153 million guaranteed. Because they guaranteed so much money, though, it does leave them with more cap space. And it's funny. We talked about this when we were playing the show last night. It's funny how these things flip. All of a sudden, the NFC is not good. After kind of looking like the better division last year, the Niners, in all likelihood, are going to have Trey Lance's quarterback for the first year. Let's see how that goes. Tom Brady is gone. The Cardinals are having their issues with Kyler Murray. Minnesota's kind of looking like maybe they're in a rebuild. And yeah, and the New Orleans Saints don't have a quarterback. And Sean Payton left. And now at least Dallas has freed up this money. I think that actually is a difference maker. But the Cowboys fall short again, and they're still going to lose some guys. The NFC is suddenly wide open. So I think Green Bay had to make this move. As much as I don't like Aaron... As much as I think this is overpaying, I think Green Bay had to make this move. I think their hands were tied. Um, I think the NFC is so weak that maybe they are a Super Bowl contender again. You just read my mind. If the NFC wasn't so weak, I would come out today and say you have guaranteed that you're winning the division for the next four years, but you have also guaranteed that you're not a Super Bowl contender. But with the NFC being in the condition that it is in, they are a Super Bowl contender. I think they're below the Rams by a good amount. I was just that was my next thing. Like, but I, like they're probably a Super Bowl contender. Like, would you trust Brian, them to beat 
the Rams no. in a no. playoff? No. no way. No. No way. Even at Green Bay? No, no way. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Jesse? Uh, well, in terms of that last question, no. I, I picked the Rams in the playoffs. But, like, I mean, I believe, I believe Pat McAfee. Mm. I don't think these numbers are 100% true. Are they in the neighborhood? Probably. I'm sure these, these rumors came from somewhere. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing of why I believe Pat Mack is Adam Scheffner has not said anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, they're close. Say, I don't want to believe Russell Wilson, or excuse me, I don't want to believe Aaron Rodgers. He just says things. And I'll, I'll agree with those things. Mm-hmm. But I, I trust Pat Mack. Because okay. as far as I'm concerned, you want to talk about he's a stoolie, he's a, he's a D-bag. True. <laughs> but that doesn't make him wrong. And also, like, I mean, he's drinking the Aaron Rodgers Kool Aid. He's his, he's, no, he's his he's, buddy. He is, and that's what's the thing. He'll know. Pat McAfee will know. And like you say, oh, he's covering for him. But they both came out and said these figures aren't true. So what if it comes out tomorrow that these figures were no spot on true? Well, obviously Aaron Rodgers looks stupid. But then Pat McAfee, who's an analyst, is putting his reputation on the line with saying something like that. Yeah, but Aaron has so much power in Green Bay. I mean, I'm sure. They'll be like, all right, let's try. Listen, it will be no skin off Aaron Rodgers' back. He'll just look like a fool in the media again. Yeah. But Pat McAfee also says he actually has something to lose with coming out like this. And I know analysts are wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Scheffner got called out, what was it, two weeks ago for blowing the whistle on Tom Brady's retirement, which actually turned out to be correct. But these people can be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I just, I believe Pat Mack. All right. All right. What do you think this means for Green Bay, though? What are your thoughts on the contract? Um, I mean... Short term, it's good for Green Bay, especially after what has happened to the NFC in the past 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Wilson's gone, too. Yeah, so. like, you you went in, um, when you for you doing almost technically nothing, they literally only just franchise tagged Devontae Devon. Adams, but technically you did nothing, and yet I put you higher on the list of Super Bowl contenders than, I did, than you did a couple days ago. Yes. For doing almost nothing. Yeah. Um, so... They should keep Aaron Rodgers for now if they want to compete. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. A couple of years, it's going to bite him in the ass. Oh, I agree. And at some point, you're going to have to think of a quarterback. And, and listen, if Jordan Love could play, this wouldn't be a conversation, but he can't play. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. trust me, they would have moved off the headache of Aaron Rodgers if they thought Jordan could play, but he can't. We are back from our break. Time for more Slow Your Roll. I'm Jesse Caulfield. We're here with a headphoneless Dominic Lorenzano. He doesn't really talk about much hockey. And I'm here with Brian Salem, my, my favorite person to talk hockey with. Because our, other than that, I'm staring at the wall. So thank you for coming, Brian. I feel I always so hey, 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 hey. I, I, gave you, I gave you a fight with you the did. Darren Fowl last week about you, the Florida Panthers. You did. Yeah. 
And that was good. I was proud of you. <laughs> but, like, let's discuss, Brian. Okay. Take, take notes, Dom. I will. I'll take notes. Uh, but, you know, recently, we you've come on a couple times. We in Every time you seem to come on, like, the Bruins are in seemingly a different sphere of where they're playing. Yeah, I know. Right right now it's right now it's going well. Yeah. Uh right now there's good things happening. Right now there's things to look forward to. Um but do you buy it? Do you buy this team? Do you buy what's going on right now? And if not, why? And what should they do about it? It's hard not to after the road trip they just had. That is true. It's really hard. And it wasn't like the whole time they were out on the road they faced poor competition. They didn't. Yeah, I mean, it varied, but like when they when they faced the tough teams, they, they came through. They they dealt with it. They came through. But my my biggest takeaway from the last couple of weeks is like you 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 said this real quick uh, before the show. Like think about some of the last minute goals that they've coughed yes. up that have either led to losses or forced overtime and a shootout. Like yeah. albeit now you've won some of those games. But that's that's more energy you're expending. It's risk of energy uh, injury with playing another overtime, right. stuff like that. You have all these guys playing what you could, for all intents and purposes, call unnecessary minutes. Oh, absolutely. Right. Especially- and 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 another thing that I want to touch upon, and I heard this on Felger and Maz the other day. Mike Felger brought up a brilliant point about the guys. Yeah, I know that's probably a <laughs> surprise <laughs> Mike for you. Felger brought up a point. Um, I'll give it to him. I think the guy knows his hockey, Jesse. Um, he brought up a good point about the defensive pairings late mm-hmm. in the game. Like mm-hmm. last 10 minutes, last five minutes, you know, final minute or two, you know, you're skating five against six, four against six if you happen to take a bad penalty. Yeah. You need someone better than Derek Forbert. Yes, I, we, I think on we talked about this left side. We th- we talked about this before because and if you can find someone that's better than him, not only does it make McAvoy better, not only does it make your first unit as a whole better, it makes your second and third pairings better too. Oh, absolutely. Because I don't I don't dislike Forbert, but no, he's being used wrong right exactly. now. Exactly. He's paired with a guy, and like I kind of like the pairing of McAvoy's very fast. Put him with a guy who's very big. Right, more and, of a stalwart. Yeah, but. Forbert is has no mobility at all, and he's he. I don't know. He can he can be a pylon a couple times. Mm. So I would love someone who is maybe more aware on that top line, more actual skill on that top line. Because actually, you know, the trade deadline is coming up. One of the things that we're gonna maybe talk about is what do the Bruins need to do? Because they have some. This is a good team right now, but they're not really that contender. Like, what can what do you think they need to do? Because like. Everyone's pointing at defense. Should they stick with just defense? Go in for one really good guy we can put on in the top six, maybe top two, or excuse me, top four, maybe top two. Um, or do you get a couple pieces? That's what I would try to do. I would try to get a top four left shot defenseman. And if you can, uh, maybe, maybe another winger or another center. Because like, as good as your third and fourth lines have been the past few weeks... Like, I still think you should be able to get maybe a little bit more out of that. Okay. Well, because actually, one of the things they were talking about is uh, this team could maybe use another center. But recently, that they changed the third line. It's Frederick, Coyle, um, and Smith, which is actually working really well. 
does that make you change your mind? Say just go hard for the defenseman, or do you no, still think no, do you still, do you still want? Because I think we've seen this happen before. Okay, well, and you where, get, where where they make either a personal change in the sense where they send a guy down to play with the baby bees, and they you know bring someone in or bring a guy back up, and it works for a little bit. You know, you change up your lines, you change up your pairings, take some minutes away from this guy, give another guy, you know, a few more minutes here and there, a couple more shifts. But I feel like it, more often than not, eventually ends up petering out. Like, whether it's it's with guys that are already on the roster, or, like, think back to a few years ago, um, when they brought in... Who did the Tommy Wingles and they brought in a couple of other pieces? Oh, of it was here. like a Brian Gianta. It was like yeah. a Lee Stepniak. Yeah, right. And it 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 worked. It looked awesome. It, the cohesion, everyone gelled. I think John Michael Wiles was in there too. It worked down the stretch at the end of the regular season, and it I think it really paid dividends for him in the playoffs. But like I said, eventually it started to peter out. So I think like if 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 you can maybe you know maximize the production that you have with your current groupings and maybe you know like we said bring in a top two top four defenseman left shot um to make McAvoy's life easier at the end of these games just knocking bodies around clearing guys out of the front of the net um and another center because I, as good as the coil line has been, I don't think it's sustainable. Hmm. And I think part of the reason I feel that way is because I think coil as an individual has shown you that like when he get, when he gets to sniffing it, he's and and like he's really engaged. He's a force. Oh yeah, he moves, he hits, he he's great at puck possession. He can distribute. When he first but came it, at the but, deadline, but it, it was great. Yeah, and then you you gave him five and a half million dollars for four or five years, and and everyone went well. I mean, for what you got out of him, it's maybe that's good money. I but he's very that money streaky. was hoping he would take the crazy spot, and he's just not quite that. That's why I feel like three and a half, four million dollars is far more. Oh, I would have been so happy with yeah. that. Especially if he's if he's going to be your third line center, which is fine. That's on pace. That's on par for what I expect of a Charlie Coyle. Um, but he's not being paid like that. And that's another problem. And then like speaking of stuff like that, I want to talk about the goalie situation. Linus Allmark. <laughs> five. One, two, three, four, five. Million. With a capital M. Million. Why? Why is Leonis Omar getting $5 million a year when you could have been in the exact same or maybe even a better position in the standings had you just went with Swayman and Vladar? I know that's that's what I really wanted them to do this offseason. I mean, even if Tuca comes, you know, tries his whole retirement tour, which, uh, let's face it, I think most of us knew how that was going to turn out. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Even still, like I feel like having two could do that would make much more sense if you were going with two rookie young goaltenders. Right, because if nothing else, even if he can't hack it anymore, you still have that veteran to help in the him room. along. Yeah, and just and just being in the room, something like that, and like, and not only that, right? All of a sudden, if 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 that's 
the platoon you want to roll with and you stick with it, now you have all that money that you can allocate other places on the roster, like bringing in a top four defenseman or, oh, or, or another center, like, like a Giroux. Say you wanted to kick the tires on him. I'm not saying do it. I'm not saying don't do it. I actually think he might fit here. But that, that, that'd be. But those are opportunities that you could pursue had you not yeah. felt a need to give I, Skidmark $20 million. <laughs> and I, actually, I've liked some of Sweeney's moves over the past few years. But one thing I have noticed is that he, he loves to stick close to that cap. And, you know, generally the best teams are always close to the cap. That's why they're the contenders. They spend the most money. But when you're just strapped for cash every season but you are not quite a contender every season. I'm I'm worried about where this money goes. $5 million a year for Charlie Coyle is not quite worth it. $5 million a year for Linus Olmark, who's playing half the games at most, and Jeremy Swayman is actually taking over and taking most of the games now, that's far too much. Especially in a hard cap league like that. Yeah, and then you have... I've praised this man. I've voiced his name up on high. But Jake DeBrusque is also another one being paid way too much right now for what he's doing. And I understand why he was given that contract. Wait, what did you just say? Jake DeBrusque is being paid way too much money for what he's actually doing. Oh, that just made my month. Because, like, that's... You're going against your son? Listen, that's my son, and I'll praise him. But I'm going to be real. He's not a $5 million man right now. He's not. And Is he a $3 million man? That's I think that's this closer year, to his wheelhouse, but this like, year he is. I feel like this year he's put up three million dollar numbers. If you if you could guarantee seventy five percent of the production that you've gotten out of DeBrusque this year in his whole tenure as a Bruin, I would say yeah, three and a half, four million, maybe four million dollars mm-hmm. is acceptable for that guy. Yeah, but he's too. No, he got too much of this. He got that five million dollars because he came close to thirty goals one time. Mm-hmm. And hey, coming close to thirty goals one time. That's worth something. I'd like to see him do that again. But unless you're going to consistently do that, why did we even discuss $5 million as a figure? And I get it. He's probably got a great agent. And now the other part of the problem is, right, like even if you want to, even if you want to move a guy like that, the league takes notice of everyone. Oh, yeah. Every game, every season, all the time. GMs, owners, coaches, other players, prospects, well, doesn't scouts, matter. Scouts everywhere. Yeah. Like, how are you going to be able to move that guy on his salary? The whole league knows how much of a hot and cold he is. Well. Like, other GMs aren't going to want to shell out that kind of money for someone they're not sure they can depend on on a night-in and night-out basis. Do you think the Bruins should move him? If there's a deal on the table, even if it's not... If it's a deal, a half-decent deal that is at the deadline, do you move him? See, I don't want to be that guy that says it's it's tough to say because I don't know. I like, mean, it's we, tough like, to like, say. Like, we don't know sitting here, like, what, you know, what packages, what package offers they might get from what teams. Of course. Or if it would just be, like, player for player straight up. It would have to be the right one. But even at that, I think I might still do it. Because I think as good as DeBrusque has been this year as much as he's exceeded expectations that he's kind of brought on himself oh yeah the last few seasons i mean with how he's played and then he made the comment of like i kind of want to be traded so i mean he, he put he put a lot of pressure on himself and 
Do I like how he's responded to it? Yes. Well, that's. But what choice did he have? You can't. You can't. Ah. Uh, you. You can okay. fold. You can you, fold and you, die. Right. But okay. You can't be as inconsistent as a guy like DeBrusque, right? Like same thing kind of goes for Nikhil Harry, right? When he came out and said, "Like I want to be traded," like, dude, you suck. <laughs> who, who are you? Shut up and get back to run blocking. You can't do that even. You useless <laughs> bag of deflated footballs. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, here's the thing. At least I understand the the comparison, especially right now, because they recently asked for trade while not doing anything recently. But at least at one point we could say Jake DeBrus had potential. We expected things from him. And we've, we've gotten recent things from him. And I, I talked about last week uh, in my... Uh, when we were talking about the Bruins, I think I think he is maybe down to stay, but I still kind of feel that if you can move his contract, because I still am not a fan of his contract, that it should be moved. Is like don't move him for scraps, get something. But if anyone comes with you with something, I think you should take that something, even though that's my son. So you're just gonna let your son walk away? Hey, man. I also feel like he he could himself use a new. Oh, I team. totally think he could. I think he needs, De, he needs a team is that one knows of those how to cases. raise offensive players. Exi- Spot on. Yeah, that's, they, a, that's another thing with this team. They are so bad. Oh yeah, and they so overly mismanage young talent on the offensive. Yes, definitely, absolutely. Defense, they can. You know, they, they made Grizzlick, who's not great. They made Carlo and they made McAvoy. But, you know, you clearly know something about developing defensemen. You clearly are missing something on developing um, forwards, whatever that be. And maybe it's Don Sweeney because at the same time, I've liked some of his moves. Like I like the Charlie Coyle move at first, maybe not the contract. Um, but even some of these moves he's made, we talked about like uh, Lee Stepniak and Brian Gionta. What was that first one you named? Tommy Wingles. Tommy Wingles. Um, some of these moves were good, real good. But it, when you go up a team against the Lightning, those players aren't good enough. No. Uh, uh, like a team against Colorado, that's not going to be good enough. So that's why I feel go hard after that one defenseman. If you keep DeBrusque, keep DeBrusque. But like, well, I mean, yeah, you, you, like, need, like you need to if, spend at this trade deadline if you want to act like this is real here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, did you have more? Because because it's uh, time for us to move I mean, on soon. I could always just ramble on about this, but like we we life goes on. We it have does. things to do today. Yes, we. Got, I got to call an audible too. I, I got to do it. We said too much stuff today, and listen, MLB is going to keep us talking about the same things for weeks. I guarantee it. They ain't coming to anything anytime soon. So, <laughs> NFL gave us just too many stories. There's just too many stories this week. So. Damn. Let's move on to the next. I, listen, we'll we'll have all day probably next week to go into it. So Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. Jesse, I know you're going to have strong opinions on this. So I'll start it with I think it's a perfect move for Washington. I think they had to do it. I think with how bad the NFC has suddenly gotten, I think even though Dallas made some more cap space, they'll still lose some pieces. I still like a lot of what Washington's defense can do. It got better the second half of last year. Uh, I think this is what you got to do. I think Wentz can drive you nuts. He's a flawed player. He still threw 27 touchdowns, seven picks last year. That's a very good ratio. Is he going to get you a Super Bowl? No. But 
you didn't have to give up a first round pick. And Washington is in a place now with those. Washington is in a place that if they really want to draft a quarterback this year, they can still try and trade with someone, swap that 11th with maybe the Giants, fifth or sixth. Uh, five Giants, and seven. Giants are at five and seven. They can swap one of those picks with the Giants and move up and still take a quarterback and have Carson Wentz this year because they want to win games and compete. Uh, I think his struggles has been a little bit overdone. He played terrible down the stretch. I know. He played terrible against the Jags. I understand that. Division games sometimes make things a little weirder, and Indy has a history, actually, with having problems against the Jaguars. So in the end, I think it was a good move by Washington. I think they had to do it. But Jesse, I know you hate Wentz, so... Uh, I, I Listen, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but like, <laughs> I, I, I did laugh a little bit at the football team this morning. Now, do I think the team improved? Yeah. Do I actually... We don't know what they gave up, but um, based on what uh, Brian said earlier... Mm-hmm. I don't mind that, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, that's not bad at all. Because, um, like I said, you clearly improved the team. Okay. As much as I don't like Wentz, and I think he is... He's, he can, go, he's oh. flawed. He's flawed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, he's he's obviously better than Taylor Heineke. Uh, who knows if you kept uh, Fitzmagic, what he would even be able to do this season with that leg. Mm-hmm. Um, Cardinals cut linebacker Jordan Hicks. Oh. Yeah, they're making cap room. You know why? Kyler. They're going to have to pay Kyler. <sighs> I know. But anyway, Wentz. Um, but, like, we talked about this yesterday. Now, with this whole restructuring of the Cowboys stuff, I'm a little less about it. But this this could make the Washington Commanders. I would have to call them the football team. I know. Um, we were the first to break that they were the Commanders. Yeah, Remember this, that? Well, this could make we the went Commanders all in on the that. favorite for their division. Thank you. See, so I was going to say, do, well, you, do you think, so it changes where you put them maybe in the division. Yes. However, this Cowboys restructuring of the contracts also makes me worried that Dallas will get better. Yes. Yeah. Than what you think they're going to be. Uh, Brian. So to follow up on the very last, like, I think Dallas will still win the division, but now I think it's going to be a dogfight for two and three mm-hmm. between. The command. Philly? Yes, in Philly. Yeah. Um, as far as the move goes, I think it's a great move for Washington. And I think it's a pretty decent move from Wentz's standpoint, too. And albeit Wentz is flawed, very flawed at times, you can't take away the fact that he's... I think, I think he's got the tools to succeed. Mm. I mean, you look at his last really good season, right? If he didn't tear his ACL, he probably wins the MVP that year instead of oh, Brady. Oh, definitely. 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people's percep- perception of him is changed now. That's what I mean. Like, I think the struggles like, have been overdone. It's become even bigger. In the, like, the perception is he was terrible for the Colts. He took right. 27 touchdowns but, and but, 7 picks. But there's a devil's advocate side to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, think about it. Who really ran the show? In Philly, on the coaching staff, when you lost to Nick the Pumpkin Foles Frank in the Reich. Super Bowl. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Who goes to Indy as the head coach? Frank Reich. Who does Indy bring in as a quarterback? Carson Wentz. So, from that standpoint, he probably should have looked better than he did. Probably. But, last time I was on the show with you guys, I do remember you and I talking about how, if not for Jonathan Taylor, that offense is... Probably doesn't run. Exactly. And I understand that. And and I have my issues with Carson. I do think 
things got so bad in Philly and he got so messed up and so broken, he needed like a year to get right, even with Frank Reich in this situation. I do think he should have stayed in Indianapolis. That's my other thing now. I like being aggressive and I like sometimes when you have an owner that cares about winning. To me though, unless Indy goes and gets like Jimmy G or something, to me this is the perfect sort of example of an owner who was mad at something that didn't happen and then in his anger decided to make a move off it. He's mad they didn't make the playoffs and they should have made the playoffs. But getting rid of Carson now, I don't understand how that's a good move for Indianapolis. I think they should have wrote it out another year and I think Wentz might have played a little bit better second year away from Philly and second year in Indianapolis with Frank Reich. Oh, I, yeah, he absolutely would have benefited from a second year there. I think I think RSA got mad and pulled the trigger on something he should not have done that quickly. Uh, I mean, maybe, but like, and you guys said it, like that offense was built around Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a guy like Frank Reich did something like that because he was afraid to really use his quarterback all that much. Yeah, I mean. He, he did only have seven picks last year, mm-hmm. but is a lot of that because they would rather – be a heavy run offense because I, the, I picks, understand that. the picks he threw were some of the worst I've ever seen. He had and a like, couple of real bad ones. I don't question his ability. He's a, he's an athlete. He's mm-hmm. he's he's pretty he's big pretty arm. Good. Yeah, he's he's pretty good at throwing the ball and stuff like that. It's just he's an idiot. I know he can be. That's that's one of my biggest problem with him. And like that can be fixed. But like you'd think a guy like Frank Reich that's worked with him on for multiple years on multiple teams would I don't know be able that, to I fix that I don't, I don't know if and that can, not hide it. I don't know if that can be fixed. I think it, there's something in the DNA of a player that well, you are just that kind. You, you, especially someone who's always been the biggest, the strongest, the most athletic, crazy arm, there's something that gets built into that DNA that when things go wrong, they just fall back on that athleticism. And I don't really know if you can coach that out of a lot of guys. And I Carson's one of them. I don't think you're ever really going to get this out of Carson. I don't. I mean, at some point, like, you know, you're just too old, you're stuck in your ways, you just can't be coached anymore mm-hmm. uh, with something. But, like, I don't know, unless he's, like, I know I just called him an idiot, but, like, I'm sure he's a smart guy, he's still an NFL quarterback. But, like, unless he's truly an idiot, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like that's fixable. I don't think so, because, like I said, when things go wrong, you revert to, you know, your sort of basic, sort of baseline. Just your raw abilities. Instincts, instincts, abilities, and all that. And for throughout his football life, that has gotten him out of trouble. What pick was he? Like in the draft? Second, I think. Was he a second? Second, second, I believe, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure that comes with some arrogance, though. Yeah, exactly. But, so, but, now, to transition to the next thing, but still be on the commanders, what do you think about my idea where Washington can still draft a quarterback, potentially, and if they want to swap that 11th pick with someone like the Giants? I think that's a good move. And you'd probably, because the Giants need so many things, you'd probably maybe still have to throw in like a fourth round or a fifth round just to make that swap. But do you think do you think the Commanders are going to take a quarterback still? No, nope. you do not. No, you don't think. Okay, I this can this deal could mean a couple things here for the Commanders mm-hmm. because I mean it was no secret they were going after a quarterback, mm-hmm. and I feel like getting Carson Wentz is kind of settling, mm-hmm. especially with some of the names that have been tossed around in there: Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. But they weren't going to trade them to an NFC team. Sure, but there's there's a lot of big names out there and they I guess ended up with Carson Wentz I think this is one of the reasons why I actually do like this move for them is because like it is low risk possibly high reward Mm -hmm. because hey if it really does work out and 
they have a good scheme for him and he just like he clicks like he did that year with Philly, hey, yeah, great for the Commanders, good for them. Mm. But if it doesn't work out, all right, you gave up not a whole lot to get him. Mm-hmm. And none of us were first round picks allegedly. So if it doesn't work out, well then you you wasted another year of Carson Wentz, which isn't really your problem, and then you'll go get a quarterback next year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Do you think they take a quarterback still? Is is Heineke still on the roster? He is. See, I think that kind of muddies it up a little bit because I think they do have a little bit of faith in that kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go no. Okay. I, I think they still do. I, I do think that they'll still take a quarterback. Whether they have to trade up or maybe just take one at 11, um, I don't think they I don't think they're going to see Carson as a long-term solution and I think they know that they will probably be too good next year to take a quarterback next year. So I think they're going to take a quarterback that they're going to see as a little bit of more of a project this year and have him sit potentially for a year or two if Carson is successful and they retain Carson for two more years. Like the way I see it, right, is like this. Like, let's say they do want to move into the top 10, right? Mm -hmm. Aside from draft capital, either this year or next year, which based on the way the team is built, I don't really think they can afford to give up. Mm -hmm. How are you going to move up into the top 10? because, Because Giants have two picks at five and seven. But Washington's not that far back. They're at 11. So if I'm the Giants, I still have a first-round pick in the draft. Even at 11, and I can though? Get, and I can get potentially a four, a, a, an extra fourth-round pick. Even at 11, though, I think there's a whole different psychology about drafting philosophy once you get into the top 10. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the other thing is, is even if they did move up, right— like who would they be able to draft that could make any like an immediate impact over either Wentz or Heineke this year? Well, no, that's or, my point. Or, they don't know that. Or Heineke next year, who's been in the system for a couple of years, and um, say they let Wentz go. I mean, it depends. If Carolina takes Kenny Pickett, you can take Malik Willis, who's a big, strong, super athletic kid who probably needs a year to sit. But could have a very high ceiling. That sounds a lot like Carson Wentz. It does, but you you get to coach him from the start. That's true. <laughs> and maybe well, you can mold him into something better. Do you think one of those quarterbacks could fall to eleven? Because you we you seem to see feel set in stone that Panthers are going to take a quarterback. Yes. You thought maybe the Giants could. I thought maybe, but I don't think they will because they've said they want to run it back with Jones, and the roster is just so bad that they need to fill up so many different things that I don't see them taking a quarterback. I think they'd rather give Jones a better shot, and if they suck next year, hey, it's a better quarterback draft next year anyway for them. So, well, That's what I mean. I think you just... There's a low-risk, high-reward with the Carson Wentz thing. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the NFL Combine. I don't know if there's anything specific you want to talk about the Combine else, but the thing that comes to me is... Thinking about the quarterback situation, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, to me, the biggest one, Carolina sits at number six. They need a quarterback right away. And they've already whiffed on three different quarterbacks in two years within the league. Bridgewater just wasn't enough and wasn't good enough and got paid too much money for what he was. Darnold was terrible and Newton was terrible. So I don't think they want to try and get another veteran and do that again. So I think they're taking a quarterback. 
The question now is Malik Willis looks so good at the combine and is getting so much more attention. Do you take Malik Willis because he looks like the better prospect with the higher ceiling or you go with the pro-ready Kenny Pickett that you feel probably can start day one? I would go with... See, in my honest opinion, what I would do is I would try to draft Pickett mm-hmm. and ride it out with whatever suck bag you have thrown on the ball this year. Because <laughs> as, because well, as, mu- as much as he's pro-ready, right? How many times a year do we, or like if you're watching a college football game on any given Saturday, right? How many times a game or how many times during the college football season do we hear analysts and, and, and coaches and team staff members, organizational uh, members go, oh, you know, he's the most pro-ready quarterback. And like it, 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 most of the time they blow. Yeah. <laughs> But I think I think of all the guys that came out of college so highly touted, and I I don't think Carolina's I don't think Carolina's roster is awful. I think the O line is bad, like really bad, and they will have to address that, particularly in the draft. I don't. I still don't hate the coaching, and they have a good defense. The coaching and the defense isn't the problem, like you said. The offensive line is, but they have weapons though. So if you can fix the O line, I mean, they have cap space to maybe sign guys too. They, they do, got DJ Moore. I have they questions do, about but that like rule the, still. The, there's questions okay. as to whether or not Robbie Anderson is even still going to be there because there's been a lot of people coming out in the last week or two that are saying that he could be linked to the Patriots and end up signing here mm-hmm. if the Pats move on from Stonehands Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very widely speculated that McCaffrey could be gone. Yes. Potentially. So why oh, are you I've heard his like, name being shopped a lot? Even if Pickett's pro ready, you're going to bring him into an organization with a bad line and possibly two of the best offensive weapons leaving. Oh, I th- I'm 100 percent on board with that. If whether or not you draft a quarterback, you should bring in veteran help. I always like the idea of a veteran quarterback being there with a young kid. Mm. I always like that idea. That's why I was even down to for the Patriots to keep Cam Newton, even if like. Mac was supposedly the guy. Yeah, just to be like, hey man, in this situation, like, do this. Look, look for this when they line up like that. Like, just, just stuff like that. Like for a guy that's been there, seen it. Yep. Like, like, and if if they do draft Pickett right, and he comes in and he's he's he's, you know, more than serviceable, does actually like look legitimately pro ready. Great, awesome. Mm-hmm. But what but if he? Have, but but they, what if he doesn't? I guess. But they have the cap space that even if you. Even if Anderson went someone else and they decide to trade McCaffrey, I still think you have DJ Moore, you can bring in another weapon, and you have enough picks to probably help substantially with the O-line. So I would probably take Pickett. So now at that point, it even becomes a deeper rebuild. Maybe. A little bit, but it becomes a rebuild that might happen a lot faster because you have the extra picks. And you might have your quarterback. True. And the defense is young, inexpensive, and good. So, Jesse... What would you do? Would you take? I, I well, listen. If you have to take a quarterback, you're taking a quarterback. Maybe yes. you don't even want to. But but David Tepper, the owner, came to you and said you're taking a quarterback. I'm are you taking it. Pickett or are you taking Malik Willis? I am not the biggest fan of mobile quarterbacks. I think they can be dynamic. I think they can add a extra layer to offenses and quarterbacks. But they have a shelf life. Yep, that's exactly my problem with them. And when then you bring up a bad offensive line. Well, that's kind of a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Not to say like any quarterback won't be in danger with a bad offensive line because they all are. 
But when your instinct is to be like, I'm going to make something happen with this ball in my hand, ah, you're putting yourself in far more of a risk there. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'd, I'd, I really would like Pickett in that situation. Okay. Because, like I said, mobile quarterbacks are fun to watch. They add a different dynamic to an offense. But there's a risk with every play, it seems. Mm. I got gotcha. you. No, I get it. All right. I think that I think we're good on that. We can we can move to fair and foul as we get ready to to wrap this up. First question for break. fair or foul? No, we're not. Okay. No, I gotta get it to work. Okay. <laughs> uh, first question for fair and foul: Is Jason Tatum the new face of Boston sports? I'll start. I say that is completely fair. He's now he's now what? I think I saw in the top like four or five for most fifty point games for a guy who's yep. not even like twenty five yet. Tied bird for most 50-point games in franchise history. Exactly. The Celtics are maybe the best team right now. I know the Bruins do look good, but I feel like people don't think that they're good enough to even win their like little conference, whereas like the East still kind of feels wide open. I mean, the Giannis and the Bucks are tough, but the Celtics are playing so well. So, And he's like the only bona fide superstar right now. I mean, J.D. Martinez doesn't get that much play in Boston. He's older. He didn't start here. Boston is all about guys that really start here a lot. But the Red Sox don't really have any guy like that since Betts got traded away. I think Tatum is the face of Boston sports right now. Jesse, fair or foul, Jason Tatum is. Oh, it's so foul. Oh, gosh. Ugh. What are you going to say? It's DeBrusque? Ugh. My son? <laughs> no. I mean, you normally I would actually would pick like a Red Sox. Because this is just that's just been a thing, but like I would say, the face of the Red Sox is Xander Bogarts, maybe Chris Sale, but like those aren't those aren't the guys we talk about all the time. No, for the I mean the Patriots, it was Tom Brady forever. I guess now it's Mac Jones. We'll see how that goes. I don't want to say that as much as we love football, but I just can't. Tatum is the face of the Celtics, no doubt, because mm-hmm. Enos Freedom is gone. So <laughs> who, who else is left? Um, he is absolutely the face of the Celtics, and he should be. But I feel like Boston just doesn't embrace basketball the way the rest of the country does. Mm. So Patrice Bergeron is the face of Boston sports right now. Captain of the Bruins, been here, I think, the longest of any professional he is. player. Oh, yeah, longest tenured Boston athlete. So that's my guy. That's you my are, guy right there. To me, to, but, but we are a big enough sports place. And even though we are super regional... We're big enough that people around the country watch, and you need some sort of national thing. Bergeron has no national play because you, of the sport he's John, in. Tatum has a national play wait, as well. You're I, I, I think Bruins fans travel better than Celtics fans, though. Okay. I agree with that, too. You can I, hear us in every stadium. So, Brian, I'm going to go. You're going to go foul on this. I am going to go foul, but I'm not going to say it's Bergeron. I'm going to say it's Mac Jones because this is still a football city. Okay. This is still a football state. This is still a football region. He's and selling that hope to Boston, and that makes him the face. You're goddamn right I am <laughs> with a capital H, bitches. Mac Jones is the face of Boston sports. You know what? I like that more than Bergeron. I do. Uh, I understand because he's right. No, this is this has become a football town. Even Jason Brady. Tatum is becoming one of the best players in the NBA, though. I think he is the face of Boston sports at this moment. I don't disagree with that, but you're asking the face of Boston sports, meaning the Boston people. I don't give a damn what the national people say. What does Boston say? That Mac Jones hype is going to be over real quick when the Bills and Allen are stomping them out next year we'll see (laughs) all right jesse for the next question this is you all right so brian may have 
Yes. Let quote, me. Quick. Let me. There's a quote that triggered up. this one. Yes. We want. We want contacts. Yes. We from do. the from the great one. So I happened to be watching a uh, Rangers. I don't even remember who the hell they were playing, but uh, I happened to hear this beautiful little nugget of wisdom from the great one about um, heart trophies and MVPs and all that. And I can't remember who it was that actually made the statement or posed the question to Gretz, but they said something to the effect of, oh, Panarin, you know, bona fide MVP candidate this year. And Gretzky's, Gretzky's answer spoke volumes to me. It almost knocked my friggin' socks off because I've never heard anyone say anything like that in any capacity. And I was like, wow, Gretz, you just brought something here. <laughs> Gretzky on TNT's intermission show, we've, and I quote, we've given out about seven or eight heart trophies this season in 55 or so games. Can we at least get to 80 games first? Well, that answer is no, because the question is, are, is Artemi Panarin the favorite for the heart trophy? So sorry, Wayne. <laughs> Does anyone feel that Artemi Panarin is the favorite? Is that fair or foul? Foul. Foul? Do you have, do you have an MVP pick? Well, I mean, right off the bat, I think Shesterkin's been more important to the Rangers than Panarin. Uh, definitely a fact. But, I mean, do you have a league MVP in your mind? By any chance? Honestly, no, I haven't watched enough hockey this year for that. All right, well, at least, I mean, that's, a good, that's an honest good answer. Dom, what's yours? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I have no idea. Yeah, well, you're both wrong. <laughs> Uh, the answer is obviously Austin Matthews, one of the greatest American-born uh, hockey players in the nation right now. Dude is on pace for 61 goals. 61 goals! Fourth in points right now. You know what Artemi Panarin is? He's 16th in points. Get out of here. Austin Matthews. America. That's, that's all I got. Like, it's, just, it's not Artemi Panarin. All right. All right, for the last one. Fair or foul? Should the Patriots draft a wide receiver? I'm going to go, absolutely not, please, no. <laughs> Do not draft a wide receiver, New England. You need a safety, two linebackers, and a pass rusher, and a horrendous history of drafting wide receivers and weapons. Please, for the love of God, Pats, do not draft a wide receiver in this draft. Look for the league. Brian Salem. Patriots drafting a wide receiver. Fair or foul? Uh, I will go fair on one condition, Dom. And I said this to you before the show. If, if John Mechie from Alabama miraculously somehow falls to 54 in the second round, you absolutely need to take a flyer on him. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to say by any stretch of the human imagination that, you know, every uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase scenario is going to work out like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase did. <laughs> but look what those two did together. Mm -hmm. Look at the impact they were able to make on that team over the course of a season. Yeah. The, the, the chemistry they had, the wherewithal to basically know what the other one was going to do or what the other one was thinking with so much as a blink of an eye. Mm. 
and like I said, I'm not saying that that scenario is going to work all the time. Like, say when Peyton Manning got drafted out of Tennessee all those years ago, like if he had a stud wide receiver that didn't get drafted for another year, mm-hmm. and then Indy brought him in, mm-hmm. that could have been one of the. I mean, that for all it, hypothetically speaking, it may have ended up turning out better than Manning and. Reggie Wayne or Manning and Marvin Harrison or Manning and Stokely. Hmm. I think with that chemistry, you need to at least give it some consideration. Other than that, Bill. Don't do it. (laughs) No, don't. But if Mechie falls in the second round, which because he has the injury, he could. I see your point. I still want nothing to do with it. But Jesse. All right. What was the last wide receiver pick Bill's hit on? Do we know? Was it Edelman? Yeah. So here's my plan. Uh, you don't technically draft a wide receiver. Well, you, you draft a, bat, a quarterback in the fourth round again? And then you turn him into a wide receiver because you're batting better doing that than actually picking wide receivers. <laughs> However, I still think you should maybe just come on, third, fourth round pick. Like, yeah. There's just so many. Everyone hits them now. You're due. Hey, come on. You get one, one, one pick. You sound like that gambler who's on a bad streak who's just like, ah. It's got to turn around eventually. It the next does. one. I'm, I'm going to go. Hit, I'll hit on, I'll the, hit next on one. the next one. I'll hit <laughs> on the next one. I think Calvin Ridley said something like that. <laughs> Worst <laughs> odds I've ever heard in my life. You you bet $1,500 and lose $10 million. That was the quote of the show. <laughs> if I had a hat, I would tip it to that. Uh, yeah. You. You're, you're being Calvin Ridley, Jesse. I, I, I think I'm going to go fair. I'm All right. Keep it fair. Absolutely not. <laughs> no drafting wide receivers for the Pats. All right. But that was fair foul. It is. That has been fair or foul. Jesse, time for you to step up to the plate and wrap this boy up. I gotta get I gotta Bye, get out I gotta get out of here. Bye, Dom. I gotta get out of here. Brian, it's a pleasure as always. I'm glad that you were a regular. I'm glad I'm to sure, be a regular. I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure we will be hearing from you very soon. Jesse, this is your moment. This is your time hey, to thanks. shine. Well, this is my segment because it's time for the t- weekly Tommy update. Yeah, you get the you get the Darwin too. I'm, that, I'm bummed to be missing this Darwin. It was a good one, it, but it really was. But I got to hear his quote. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're bringing back the the weekly Tommy update because I mean the man, they're tired, but he just kind of won't go away. No, he won't. He's, he's hanging just, around like a friggin' spider. So, so many rumors are still swirling. Oh, he's going. He's going to the 49ers. He's going to Miami. Do you think he's going to play again in the NFL? Probably. Probably. Because I, I think Brady's one of those guys that he'll just never... He'll never not have that competitive fire in him. Yep. Like, and the I only one that. that I would liken him to, or the only person that I would liken to Brady, whatever, you know, however you want to put it, would be a guy like Jordan. No, uh, yeah, I mean, Brady is competitive with literally like, everything even he does. Like, even to this day... Something that slighted Jordan back in the 90s still pisses him off every bit as much now as it did then, if not more. Well, Brady would talk about it all the time. He he would remember. He was pick 199, yep. and every team uh, passed on him a couple times, and he never forgot that. Yep. Which, hey, I, re- I respect that mentality. I no, love, if, I love hey, that mentality. If, if you can use that as motivation... To make you a better performer every Sunday? Hell yeah. Oh yeah, man. That well that that's why Jordan was Jordan. That's why Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Yeah. Because they hold that grudge for years and years and years. And yeah. Like, well, you you didn't pick me. Well, I'm gonna show you why you should have. Like guys like that, they're never truly done. No. 
Well, actually, you, you brought up Felger and Maz earlier, and I was listening to a couple days ago, and they were talking about this such subject. Oh, Brady's definitely coming back. And I think it was uh, Maz brought up the point of, like, you know, he's got his podcast, and he's talking about his family. He's like, oh, I've loved spending time with my family the past five weeks, and he stopped it right there. He goes, that's it. Most normal human beings will go, I have enjoyed the past month with my family. He still thinks in weeks. He's still going by that timetable. He's There's a still, whole mentality yeah, along with it. He, he hasn't left the NFL as much as he might have claimed. No, he hasn't. Like, and, and, and there's been other reports that I've heard floating around the last couple of days. Like, still carries around a jug of water with him everywhere he goes. Still follows all the TB12 methods. Still won't even look at a strawberry. Still eating <laughs> avocado ice cream. I bet Giselle still makes him eat gluten-free, non-GMO <laughs> vegan pizza with a fork and a knife. <laughs> well, and, and I bet Tom Brady still wants to play more football and oh, will. I know Tom and Brady will. Still wants to play more football. I you know what? I hope he does. I hope he does. I do too. Because I will always part of me will always want to see Tom win and be successful. Because uh, like he as, can as, stop as, winning. Uh, well But he can be successful. Okay, as much as a bunch of scorned exes as we feel like like, I've had this conversation with my mother I don't know how many times. Oh, I can't stand him. He's a dick for leaving. How could you not? You write a nine-page Instagram post and don't mention New England or the fans once. You know, what a asshole this guy is. And it's like, okay, I get it. Believe me, I do, okay? I said this on the show when we talked about it. When the news broke that Brady was going to retire and I read his Instagram post, I totally had like a 20-minute ugly cry in a Duncan's <laughs> parking lot. No, I was, I was like, how could you? But although the majority of that ugly cry was like sad to see Tommy go, it was a lot of it was happiness and appreciation too. Oh, I the mean, universe is 13 and a half billion years old. The planet's getting close to 5 billion. We were around for the 20 years of Brady and Belichick, though. Yeah, we were. Like, I'm never going to forget that. There's almost a half a million words currently in use in the English language today, and I cannot think of a single one or any sequence of those half a million words to put into perspective how much joy that man <laughs> brought me. Yeah, no, I feel that. I, I, yeah, you truly couldn't say enough for what no. he's done for like you, this franchise. You, you say once in a lifetime, generational, transcendental talent and Bro, all this, but... This is once in a planet's history. Tom Brady embodies all of that and takes it to a level that not even, I think, most of the most professional and gifted athletes can even wrap their minds around like we're yeah. never ever ever going to see that degree of success that an individual can have now granted it's it's absolutely a team sport like you need ev all 53 guys from 1 to 53 to do their jobs not to be you know <laughs> too much of a belichick <laughs> but i mean it's true oh i mean he's the first to tell you that also though yeah. which is another reason why it's thing like we brought up you brought up Jordan. And Jordan is, he's arrogant. He knows he's really good. But he never went out there and said, I'm the best. He always knew he couldn't win without Scottie Pippen and, or someone else with him playing. 
He always he, he knew he was so great, but he knew it wasn't actually all about him. Yeah. And Brady has that same X factor. Agreed. 100%. All right. We can move on, though. Good enough. <laughs> we can move on. It's time to end this show. With the, with the with the Darwin update, that sucks. I was I was so excited for this show to just go on and on and on and on and on today. Oh, it could have. I know. I over the thingy. And I'm upset. That's what that noise was. Damn yeah. it, Jesse. Don't, don't hand it me. I kept kicking it over. You can't take you anywhere. <laughs> no, you can't. But I kicked it over again. So we're just gonna leave it down. Christ Almighty. We're, we're gonna ignore it till after the show. But are you ready for the drum roll? Willing and able. And the Darwin Award goes to, if you couldn't guess it, Calvin Ridley for pulling the Pete Rose. <laughs> How do you bet on game? I get it. You're, you're sitting at home. You're bored. You don't know what to do with yourself. So you make a couple parlays. No, you know what I want to know is how how you can be dumb enough. And I don't – I say that with a little bit of sincerity, I guess, if you can do that, even call someone stupid with sincerity. But, like – how can you be dumb enough, right, to put to come right out and say, okay, I need to take a year away from football to focus on myself, to focus on my mental health so I can get in a better, clearer, happier headspace so I can be the best that I can be for myself and for the Atlanta Falcons organization week in and week out. Yeah. And then you go and bet on a Falcons game. Yeah. What are you doing? I cannot emphasize this enough. He's the only, only guy to bet $1,500 and lose and, and, and have that lose him $10 million. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I hope it was worth it, buddy. And, like, did you see his tweets? He came out. I was like, it was 15- Yeah, I only bet 1500 I don't have a problem. No, yeah. Y- yes, you do. Yeah, but you don't have a gambling problem, but you have a different problem. And to be honest, I'd be... We would be much more understanding if you had a gambling problem. If you were betting $10 million, I'd be much more understanding. You have a problem, man. You need help. But no, you bet 1500 bucks on a couple parlays. Why? You're a millionaire, but you have to just, I want to do some parlays. That's a degree of stupid that like industrial strength duct tape yeah. ain't fixing. <laughs> like I, I, like... The boredom, like, you must have been feeling. That's the only excuse I can give you. Like, how bored were you? Seriously. There's, Show up there, to camp then. Go to practice. There's n- nothing else, nothing else you can do with your time. I know. Like, like, not only from that standpoint, right? Like, just the fact that that's what you're doing. When you say that you're taking this time off to improve your mental health or to work on it or just do whatever you need to do in whatever capacity you need to do it. That is totally fine, dude. If, 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 if the leave that you're taking is going to benefit you and everyone around you, absolutely. 100%. Do what you have to do. Don't hurt anyone in the process, including yourself. I just, I can't wrap my head around this. No, I want, I want more explanation. And like, oh, that's just, that is me being just, God. I want to know. But like, please, Calvin. What were you thinking? I want to know what went through your head that was like I can get away with this. It's only chump change, fifteen hundred bucks. Not like, only can they'll never look at me. Yeah, I know. Not only from that perspective of like, oh well, no one's gonna be tipped off by this because I make 
millions and millions and millions. I make ex- exorbitant amounts of money every year. Every week, no one's going to, you know, grovel over 1500 bucks. Like, dude, your league is trying to get in bed with legal gambling. Yeah, I, I think it was, I don't know if it was FanDuel, but one of them immediately ratted him out. Yep. That he was immediately ratted out. And like, actually, apparently, because he was been linked to seemingly every team under the sun this offseason. Yeah. And I wondered why the rumor would start, Patriots are one of them, and then like two days later, the rumor would be dead in the water. It's like, why? Well, come to find out, Falcons are actually kind of nice people. Yeah, I, I saw that. And they were I warning teams what was going to happen. Article that I think it was like Bleacher Report I read it from. And it was something, yeah, to the effect of like Arthur Blank basically come out and was like, no, we're not going to trade him. And it, it ended up coming out that, that they knew why. Yeah. Like they knew this was going to come out about him. So they bas- like put the league on, you know, yeah. to your point, like you said, put that's the why, league on notice. Hey, that's why you not, lose. We're not guys. trading him for, you know. Learn from Bill Belichick, Falcons. Like the the instant Bill Belichick would have got a sniff of anything, done. Oh, Calvin really's gone, and we'll and we'll reap the rewards. I think Brandon Carlo said it. Like you gotta you gotta be a little bit of a prick sometimes. All I know is uh, Bruce Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy. Guys need to be more pricks. Yes. Yeah, it is the thing. Like your your point in the league is to win. Why are you helping out anyone? They clearly wanted Calvin Ridley. Give him Calvin Ridley. What do you got to lose? A star player that's not going to play for you next year and that you knew that? I know. And and you know what? That's another thing that, like, I want to touch on real quick. Can we talk about how, like, yeah, as bad as it is that he's betting on National Football League games and Falcons games? Like, why are we going to suspend him for a whole year when, like, Ray Rice beats up his girlfriend in an elevator and only gets two games? Uh, well, I mean, it technically is indefinitely. So it could be a hell of a lot longer than one season. To be honest, I don't... You're I, further proving my point, Jesse. Oh, uh, no. Do I think the NFL has a real problem with these suspensions? I mean, that's been, a, like, such a talk for a long time. It was brought up when Brady got the four-game suspension for possibly knowing about a cheating scandal... And yeah, there's video out there of Ray Rice knocking his fiance out in an elevator. In an elevator, uh, and there's, I mean, there was the pictures that came out of like Adrian Peterson's child mm-hmm. uh, after he apparently beat his child. And what, what did he get? I think he got three games, three or four. Yeah, it's like NFL needs to get his priorities. See, I know. So you're like you're literally giving out slaps on the wrist to guys that ought to be buried underneath the prison. And a lot of the excuses are, well, Ray Rice got blackballed from the league. He's not in the league anymore. Yeah, that's mostly because the fans there's no, were outraged. There's no getting blackballed if you're a piece of garbage. Yeah. Well, he's like, remember Greg Hardy? Yep. He like, he like threw his girlfriend on the bed full of guns, told he was going to kill her. He played a whole season with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Never got, I mean, he got a suspension, played the rest of the season, and never got any other punishment. And then he just went to the UFC, which like, you can talk about the UFC a different day. But like, NFL was fine putting him out there. He made the Cowboys some money. He made Jerry some money. So if there if if there's money to be made off these people, oh, they'll be welcome back with open arms. Oh, I know. But like if you'll pardon the pun, there's money to be made off of guys like Calvin Ridley. <laughs> oh, that's why I like life usually the people get lifetime bans for this. I don't see that's gonna happen to Calvin Ridley. They'll, no, the, 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 the kick the him NFL's, out for a year. I don't think the NFL is a lifetime ban. 
no sort of league. I, I think they have in the past. I think for this. Uh, well, yeah, they have, but I only mean in the sense. Okay, so like think about Pete Rose, right? Pete Rose is blackballed so hard from the league, the Hall of Fame, basically any affiliation yeah. to pro baseball. And it has been so long since he got busted for what he got busted for. And he holds a record to this day that no one is going to touch. Probably, ever. It's not like he was juicing. Nope. It's not like he was beating up his wife. He even bet on himself. Yeah. And I get And he's been blackballed ever since then. So yeah, I get that. You can't. Gives the league a bad look. But like, I feel like leagues like baseball are far more sort of, I guess, okay in general with taking that stance Baseball on someone tied things. to the game. Whereas, like you were just saying, if if there is money to be made for the league, they're going to do whatever they can in their power to make that money. Yes. And actually, the thing about P. Rose is... You know, all, like there was all those steroid users in the '90s and early 2000s. They're all still edu- eligible for the Hall of Fame. A couple mm-hmm. of them got some suspensions, some long suspensions even, but they're always allowed to come back. They cheated, but they made baseball a lot of money while they did it, so they only got slaps on the wrists. Pete Rose was from a different time, where, I mean, he made money as a player. He became a manager, started betting. Well, managers don't make us money. You're out. And now, totally blackballed from the Hall of Fame. And that's why, like, baseball's a little weird with those things. Because you go way back to, like, the Black Sox scandals. Obviously, they should have been kicked out. Do I think Pete Rose should have been disciplined? Yes. But, like, why is a man, one of the greatest and most famous baseball players to ever live, not even in the question for the Hall of Fame? Well, people that cheated still have a chance. That's ridiculous. That went a lot off topic, but... It is. I agree completely. Like in and and there's almost like kind of the same argument to be made, like just with the guys who even if there was no investigation or they came right out and blatantly said, Hey, I was using, like come on now, we still know you were using. Like you people doubled in size over one off season. Like get out of here. Yeah, I know. All of a sudden Barry Bonds looks normal and then his head is the size of the tires on my truck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, take a guy like Ortiz, right? Like, it was made known that he was using, but on the other side of that argument is like, well, the substance that they found wasn't banned. It wasn't illegal at the time that he took it, right? Yep. But it then ended up getting outlawed. So there's that gray area. Like, it was legal when he did it, but now it's not. Sounds fine to me. I understand why there'd be crazy. Well, it's illegal now. So if... if if you stop, I still think should be should not be held against him at all. To be honest, I don't think they should have even said anything, because you're you're putting a, an asterisk next to someone that didn't deserve it. Because in the eyes of the public, they just heard, well, he took a banned substance, so for the rest of my life, I'm not going to look into it. He's a cheater. I mean, that's not the case. So that's why, like, in, in another thing about baseball with this stuff is like they will uh, they will hide this stuff. For a long time. Oh, yeah. If they can get away with it. And here's the thing. I bet there's a lot of players in the NFL. 
I don't want to say a lot. There's probably some in the NFL that are doing something similar to what Calvin Ridley is or doing. Um, and maybe the NFL even knows, but they're just like, man, we can't let these guys all be getting knocked for this because that'll look terrible. Well, yeah. Like if, if, like if Nate Solder and Shaq Mason were betting on games, they would get so blackballed. Oh, yeah. But... But if it came out, Tom Brady was. Yeah, like the Bradys and the Zeke Elliotts and the Tyron Matthews. Yeah. That would so get swept under the rug. Yeah, 100%. Like, you need to find an area of impartiality. Is that even a word? I think it is. I mean, I know what you meant. Uh, yeah, thank Okay. Whether you, it's a word or not, I understood. You know what I'm driving at. Like, you need to find that sort of middle ground. Where it's either we're not going to make such a big deal out of this at all. You're going to get disciplined and we're going to try to keep it under wraps and in-house. But the flip side of that is, is once it comes out that guys are getting disciplined, everyone's going to want to know what for. Like you can't just say, I mean, you could say hypothetically like, oh, conduct detrimental. But now all of a sudden these guys are all going to get conduct detrimental charges. And, but, like, the, no one's going to accept that. What is this conduct? Well, that's where I'm going with this, right? Everyone's getting bagged for the same thing. Now you're going to have all the media and the public and there's, everyone there's going. There's no way that could actually be swept right. under the rug. Everyone's going to go, okay, there's a common thread here. What is it? Well, that's why I think they kind of don't expose it. Because, I, I mean, if they do know, it's almost in their best interest at that point to just be like, oh, I'm just going to let them get away with it. Especially if it's not... If they're let's say they're doing only what Calvin Ridley's doing, do I get why you shouldn't do that? Hundred percent. But if you're just spending fifteen hundred bucks a week, like, I mean, I guess, what's the big deal? If you're cheating, obviously that's what makes it the big deal. But that's why if it's just that, I feel like the NFL has no problem just going like this. Well, you're not doing big figures. You're not really betting against yourself. I was just gonna say too, and like it, like it would almost maybe not be better are good for the league. But if they could figure out maybe a way to make it not bad, where maybe you can allow these guys to place a bet here or there. Because I'm sure they would love that. Right, but figure out stipulations. Like, out of conference, cannot be a team that you're playing that week. Absolutely can never be your team. But the problem is now, even if you do that with all sorts of rules and stipulations... Like, it's almost like the NBA in a sense, right? Like, all the most powerful players are all sort of in bed and friends with each other. Yeah. Like, that's so prevalent in the NFL, too, where, like, even if you did allow these guys to place legal bets on games in their own league, like, who's to say, like... Oh, crap. Give me an example here. Who's to say, like, if Deshaun Watson comes back, right, he doesn't call up J.J. Watt and go, hey, I want to place a bet on this Cardinals game. What can you, you know? Well, even, like, their family, their wives, their friends. It's like, hey, just put this down for me. Um, like, even, I th- that's where I feel like the NFL is really probably turning the blind eye. Oh, they're not directly doing it themselves. It's their right. spouses. It's their it's their girlfriends. So technically, we can't do anything. So we're not even gonna we're not even gonna bring it up. 
That's I hate that too. Like there's so many things that you either have to do or can't do just going off of the letter of the law. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you let's say they try to do this, they try. All right, let's let's give the players some flexibility here. I feel like that would just become so complicated and have so many little micro little things you have to you can't do this, you can't do that, that it, it could just become such a mess. Yeah. I, I, I see I see where you're coming from there, too. Mm. At that point, yeah, it's almost it's like it's more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. And. I mean, I, I, I still will. I'm, I'm always kind of on the side. Well, like you probably just shouldn't let them bet at all. Because it, if you let them bet on some things, and then like, oh, there's a loophole here, so I could bet on my own team right. for this, and so then, that's what I mean. It's just gonna be a whole mess. But all right, we can wrap this show up without Dom. Thanks, Dom, for coming. I know the thanks empty chair. For coming in today, buddy. Yeah, Brian, thanks for coming again. Thanks for having me again. It's always pleasure's good. all mine. It's always good to have you here and talk about football. Always good to always be good here. to talk about the hockey. Occasional hockey. Yeah, yes. I was. There you go. So yeah, this has been another episode of Slow Your Roll. Come back next week, probably Monday or Tuesday. Wednesday's not the normal thing. I'm sure, Brian, you'll be back again another time. I'm here when you want me. I'm not when you don't. (laughs) That is true. Only facts. Only facts here at Slow Your Roll. That is a fact. All right. Goodbye, everyone.